guys welcome back to shots fired pod this is jack and i'm so happy to have you here um it is january 23rd at the moment recording on monday i always kind of record on my mondays um and i've just been to the gym it's deload week this week so um yeah a little less intensity a little more chill and a little more rest for me which is nice because last week was pretty intense (laughs) um what else is going on? Um, entire January so far has been pretty chill. I've had a couple of weddings um, and like two creative shoots. I've got another creative shoot um, this afternoon, which should be fun. I'm doing like a night shoot. But I've basically just been spending a lot of time like redoing my websites, working on the back end, talking a lot more with Eden, my coach, and just trying to really set myself up for a great year. Um, been smashing my goals so far. And yeah, just happy to have like so much more time at home. I'm, I'm just not used to having this much time at home and I like it very much. <laughs> I don't want it to change. Um, but I have got a, a bunch of um, European wedding inquiries for the summer. So um, I think I'll embrace it while I can because hopefully if these consults go well, I'll have potentially a few trips over to Europe this year for work, which is kind of the goal to set myself up for the following years to have like a nice season there. So yeah, all good stuff. But I'm going to get into the episode. Today we are talking about kind of difficult situations you may encounter as a photographer or another creative business owner or just a business owner or just in life. <laughs> like there's so many situations you can run into um, that require the same kind of response. So I'm going to go into first a few like quite common examples that most photographers will go through and like very general Um, and then I'll get into some specific examples that I have dealt with including like my exact responses to some of these Um, and then a after that kind of rundown on responses and how you should deal with these things. So let's crack into it. Uh, Number one situation is people wanting the raw photographs and not really understanding why this isn't done in the industry. Um, When people ask me about this, I kind of like to say that it's it's like a painter handing over a half-finished work and letting someone else do whatever the heck they want with it. They're not going to be happy with the final result, most likely, and it's like someone else just doing whatever they want with your art so that's kind of that's what it comes down to um, as well as like rights and usage because we'll only supply a certain file size depending on what you need that for like if you're going to put it on a billboard you need to be paying licensing for that and if they have the raw file they have the capability to do almost whatever they want with it whereas if they're getting a reduced file size it's more likely that they're only able to do what you've communicated with them with that file. Um, so that's kind of why the whole raw situation happens. I'm sure there's like a million other reasons, but um, that's people ask me, that's kind of what I say. Second one is people wanting um, black and white photos you supply in colour. So I've had this a few times, people, particularly in um, weddings and particularly the lower budget. Um, 
they want like you supply a certain num- certain number in color and a certain number in black and white. This is not random. It's not like, oh, okay, I did a color there. I did like five color in a row, so this one's going to be black and white. I did a color of this pose here, so this one's going to be black and white. As a photographer, you see things a certain way and like there are certain photos that just to our eye don't look good in color. They just don't look good, wouldn't even include it in the gallery. And then all of a sudden you change it to black and white and you're like, oh my God, this is my favorite (laughs) photo of the entire gallery. So it completely changes an image and supplying that photo in color may to your artistic eye turn it into something you're no longer proud of and you don't want out there. Um, So that's kind of can be a little tricky situation. Number three, um, not doing their part or meeting you halfway. I won't go into specifics here, but I've had this quite a few times with um, people who like you propose a creative idea and they love the idea and then they don't actually implement it like they don't get the props they need or they kind of get something that does they think will do the trick but it doesn't and then you're left with this kind of half ass trying to mimic a mood board and it's just not hitting the mark and it just will fall flat so there's things you can do within your communication to make sure that your clients are on top of this that was a learning curve for me, taking on the responsibility. If people are consistently falling short of these expectations and not meeting you halfway and putting all of the responsibility on you to replicate this crazy, you know, mood board vision and bring it to life when they're not doing their part, it can fall on you as well for not communicating what you need to. Number four, expecting Gucci perfume photos on a Priceline budget. Um, So this, I was listening to another podcast earlier um, called Mid Convo and they were talking about that one of them is a videographer. They do photo and video, but one of them was talking about a brand who um, inquired to work with him and said, this is what we want and sent like a Jeep Super Bowl commercial, which if you're not familiar with Super Bowl commercials, they're like the biggest budget things because there's so many people watching the Super Bowl that those ad placements are worth so much more. So the budget they put into creating these ads is like astronomical and they're asking a freelance small business owner on a probably a budget I'm assuming of like under 5k to do this. So it's just not understanding what is realistic within a certain budget. That can be really tricky and hard to explain to someone who doesn't understand it. And number five, treating you as the photographer, creative director, videographer, marketing manager, ads expert, like literally putting their whole entire, um, you know, responsibility of their launch or campaign success on you individually when really they need a whole team for this if they're hoping to make it like massive. Um, So those are a few situations that um, can be like tricky to deal with and tricky to manage if you don't do it well. So now I'm going to go into some specific examples that have happened to me. So the first one is a, this was a personal branding client. I'm not going to like identify anyone here in any of these stories. I'm just going to like explain these situations as plainly as I can. Um, 
So she, with my personal branding, with most of my commercial work, what I'll do, because there's only a certain amount of images included, um, I will send a gallery with the selections and I'll include some sample edits so they can see how that will turn out. And so I sent over the copies of the RAWs with the watermark and the sample edits. Oh my God, why am I like short of breath? <sighs> Talking too fast. Um, and she made her selections and then I edited them and I sent them back. And then she said, um, like, thank you so much, but I think I just got used to seeing the RAWs and I really like how simple and, you know, I like the look of the RAWs better. Um, can you make them more like that? And let me actually go back and see what I said. Okay, so she asked, actually did ask for some of the RAWs. And I said, hey, blank. So giving out the RAWs isn't really done in the industry. Half of a photographer's art is the editing. So it's a fairly tricky situation. It is sometimes done, but generally this is always specified before the shoot. I've never given out RAWs before as I don't want incomplete work or work that is changed by another person out there. I always shoot in unique ways, knowing how I'm going to edit with specific settings. So that's another part I didn't mention of that. Like I'll sometimes shoot with certain settings, knowing how I'm going to manipulate it in post. And if someone else looked at those images, they'd be like, what the fuck is this? But to me, it's like, I know what I'm doing with that. I know what I want the final result to be. So it makes more sense. Whereas someone else will literally be very confused at them. Um, so I said, I'm happy to add the black and white in color as well. Oh, so she also asked for some of the black and whites in color. I'm happy to add the black and white in color as well. I hope that helps. If you really do want the raws, um, I would have to work out a price for the right for a few of those. Let me know what you think. And then she said, um, that would be fantastic if you could send through the photos in color as well okay this is where she said the color with the edits I think I got used to seeing the unedited versions and love that raw natural look so much I don't know if it's possible to adjust the edits on the colored images so it keeps my skin tone and everything lightened overall and I said sure I can do that for you this kind of thing oh that's kind of the job of the sample edits so you can give feedback before I go through and edit all of them but I'm happy to redo them again for you and bring back more of that natural coloring and then she said, oh my gosh, I didn't even think of that. I'm so sorry. You know, so we found a resolution in the end. Um, this was a very, very lovely client and she did go about it. Like I knew she just hadn't done it before. She didn't really know the customs and what was normal. Um, so I was more than happy to work with her to find a resolution, but also educate her at the same time so that next time she understands the process more. Um, so that's huge, taking a part of the responsibility onto yourself and communicating with people because they might not have had a photo shoot before um, or they might have worked with someone very differently. So just explaining and meeting them halfway to find a resolution will get you a very long way. The next one is um, a client who um, cancelled because they saw how many people in the personal, in the coaching and education world I was working with. So she said, I hope you're doing good and settling in well with Noah. Oh my gosh, my little angel. Um, I still haven't been able to lock in a chat with this person who was going to also work in the shoot yet. 
And with January coming up super soon, I'm feeling a little stressed for the shoot and not quite ready. In addition, when I booked with you a little while ago, I was pretty new to your page and I've realized since how many other mentors, coaches and educators have booked shoots with you and it's feeling a little out of line with my values of originality and integrity. Unfortunately, this means I want to cancel my booking, which is devastating as I genuinely, genuinely love your work a lot and has nothing to do with you. Let me know what the process is with this, if there is one, or if you need anything from me. And this was my response. Thank you. I hope you're doing well too. Thanks for bringing these points to my attention. I wish I could say everyone in the creative industry was as organized as we both are, but unfortunately there are plenty of others who work off very short timeframes. I'm sure, fill in the blank, this person who was meant to work on the shoot is in this mindset and works on shorter timelines as well as being swamped with business she does in the holiday season that peaks up a lot as this is her main business model. I know that's no excuse, so I appreciate the feedback and I may look into recommending others who are a bit more on top of things. I understand your hesitations with people in the space booking me, but I just do want to reiterate that this is because it is what I specialise in. There are plenty of photographers, but not many who have taken the time to immerse themselves into the personal branding world, educate themselves on what it entails and how to get the very best result for a client that isn't purely aesthetic. It works. I also work with each individual client to create a look that is them. Trust me, if I did the same looks over and over again, I would get incredibly bored. Especially with your look being so unique to you, I was really excited to create something different that is not out there in the market. I do understand how you feel and your hesitations, which are totally valid regardless of my process or my skill level. You are able to cancel, however deposits are not refunded. I work to lock in my jobs about six to eight weeks ahead of time so I know when I'm able to cut bookings off. In the three to four week out zone, especially with Christmas coming up, it doesn't leave much time for me to be able to open the slot to others, deep dive into their brand, develop mood boards, contact and secure any other suppliers and locations needed and fill the slot. I've also turned away quite a lot of people for this date in the previous months. However, before a week in advance, deposits can be held for a later date in certain circumstances. Wow. I'm happy to have this valid for the entire 2023 in case you happen to change your mind and want to utilize the deposit. I'm so sorry to hear this. I was really excited to work with you. I always want to make sure my clients feel comfortable, confident in their decision to book me and excited to shoot. If there's any further feedback you can give me to help me avoid this in the future, I would so greatly appreciate it. So we came to a very easy, you know, reconciliation with this. She understood and you know, didn't really take into account that I might specialise in it and that's why I do so much. Um, she did continue to cancel just because it wasn't feeling right for her, which is totally fine for me. Um, but that's just like now there is no bad blood there. She still said she would recommend me to others. Like it is the best way out of that situation, I think. That was literally the best possible um, outcome probably for both of us there. The next one, I had a client who still has not paid me for six months. And this is a bit of a trickier one. Um, this is a client that I had worked with basically for years since I started my career pretty much. And I don't want to give too much away here again, but this person wasn't always the most honest. And 
it kept going on and on and on without being paid and because I had known this person for so long. Okay, so he used to pay me right on time every time and I've worked with him 15 plus times. And every time it was getting a little more delayed, a little more delayed, more excuses, more excuses, pushed back. And I kind of just accepted it. I was just like, yeah, he's late sometimes, but he always eventually pays. Um, And then it came around to this time when I still haven't been paid. So this is during the time where I um, started working with my assistant, Sheridan. And luckily she has a lot more experience with this kind of stuff than I do. Um, so I just explained what was happening and she was like, right, this is what's happening. We will send another warning. Um, we'll communicate again and see what the situation is. We will send another warning if he still hasn't. And after that, we will have to contact the debt collectors. I'm so grateful for Sheridan because like this is whole, I would have just left it, you know, and we're still in the process. So like, I still don't have it, but at least we have kind of a direction to go down. Um, But this person came back and said that there was like a tragedy with all the floods and everything. They'd been hit really hard and um, they're really struggling. And I understand that. That's horrible. That's really, really bad. My issue was with this was that this payment was due well before the floods. So while I don't know the situation, I felt that there was a possibility that the floods were being used as an excuse to not pay me. Again, I don't know the truth. I don't know what actually happened. I never like accused this person of that, but that's the vibe I was getting based on the timeline of things, based on the knowledge I had of the situation and of this person. Um, And I just had this feeling that something was wrong. So this one still hasn't come to a conclusion, um, but I'm erring on the side of this person's telling the truth and just treating it like that. And whatever happens, happens. It wasn't an astronomical amount. So if I don't get paid for this at the end of the day, it's not a big deal. It's okay. Um, I'm just kind of more using it as a learning experience on how to deal with this sort of thing in the future if this ever happens again. Okay, number four, pushing back a shoot because they're not ready. So I have now have to put in my contracts that delaying photo shoots is okay within like a two-week time frame. One week if it's like some tragedy or something really goes wrong, I'm obviously going to be understanding. Um, But a change of mind, not ready, can't happen within two weeks And it can't be pushed back more than six months from the booking date. Um, This is because my prices will increase by then and I just can't keep rescheduling, rescheduling, saying no to other people for this date because someone's in there and then they just keep pushing it back. This has happened with two of my shoots lately. Um, And it is a little frustrating because there are only limited spots and when I keep penciling in things and then they don't happen and... All of a sudden, I've got two shoots coming up that are at my, you know, six months ago prices when I've now increased to a certain amount um, and they're taking the slots of someone else who could have booked in that place. So it's frustrating, but again, I try and work with these people um, and if they're not feeling ready, 
what can I do to help them feel ready? Can I do a little more back-end work? Can I reassure them? Can I do something to kind of help this process along? Um, what else was there? Okay, so I was booked for a fashion campaign launch and this also kept getting pushed back because their suppliers um, had some delays with the samples. Um, and this was a big <laughs> lesson for me because I had had hair and makeup organised, models organised, location, like a whole plan, timeline, mood boards, everything. And then because of their supplies again, they had to push back to a date where I couldn't do it. And then I found myself in the situation where I hadn't, because I kind of knew this person, I hadn't received a deposit, which is lesson number one. Don't do any background research. Don't get a team together until you've actually booked and got a deposit. Um, but then I had I was in this position where another photographer was going in and completing this shoot that was basically my entire vision and plan and they, or they basically just had to show up and shoot it. Um, so that was frustrating to say the least, but um, a lesson learnt that I shouldn't be doing any of this work until I've actually been booked and officially paid my deposit and a contract signed. <laughs> so those are a few of the um, situations that I have been through and probably you will go through too if you are within this industry. Now I'm going to go through um, some of the ways that you can make sure you're avoiding a lot of these. You're never going to be able to avoid every tough situation in business, but these will help. Number one, choose the right clients. This comes down to niching, niching, niching down and really being specific with who you're targeting um, and having a consult call, whether that's on video, whether that's on phone call. Um, this will just make sure that if there are any massive red flags, you're hearing them. Um, so trying to think if there's any specific examples of this. Oh, I had a wedding one where the bride was very like um, – on the first consult, she was like, "The this is what I like. These are the edits I like. This is the Pinterest board I like. And they were very different to mine. They were super, super warm. They were like that classic um, Utah wedding photographer, really warm, deserty. And um, number one, not my style. Beautiful, just not what I do. And number two, we're not in Utah. <laughs> so if you're planning a wedding in Australia with like our sun and our like greenery and the blue water and you know mountains and stuff like I mean tiny mountains in Australia but where I live there's like small mountain areas and that's generally where the weddings are and if you're pinning desert inspo it's a red flag because you're probably never going to meet those expectations of that client because they want something so different to what is actually achievable in your area. Um, so that's one thing. The next one is to have a contract. And this contract needs to be specific to you and what you're providing and also the like, actual um, package you're doing. So I have totally different contracts for my mentoring, for my commercial photography and for my wedding photography because 
they're all such different things. You can't just have one stable contract. And I also need to ask, if you do have a contract, great, but where did you get it? Because if the answer is not from a lawyer, I'm concerned, especially if you live in Australia, because if you're getting a template contract off the internet, chances are it's probably not coming from Australia. It's probably coming from the States. And then it is so not legally correct because our law systems are very different. So please get a contract from a lawyer. It may seem expensive, but it is so worth it when you find yourself in a situation where maybe someone wants to sue you. (laughs) Maybe you have a breach of contract and like you need to resolve this issue. And if your contract isn't valid or doesn't mention the situation, then it's practically useless. Number three is know your stuff. Um, You are the professional, so you should know um, everything in terms of like what's the norm, what are the customs in the industry, Um, know what is professionally required of you. Like if someone wants a, a, a file for a certain purpose, what file type are you giving them? What size are you giving them? If you don't know these things, you need to because you are the expert and you can't rely on like someone else to figure that out for you. Number four, step on your, step on, sit on your emails. And by this, I mean, if someone sends you an email and you're like angry, you're livid, you are livid. Open up a very new email box. Do not click reply. Open up a new one. Type your angry response. Get it all out. Get it all out and leave it there. Come back the next day and reread it. I guarantee you, you are going to completely delete that and then go back and write a very different email to that person. Um, Just having some time to breathe and get some perspective is amazing. Number five, set expectations. So this goes back to taking on the responsibility of communicating to your client what are the norms, what are the customs, what generally happens. Um, So this is... You know, so you don't get to a situation like I had where the client's like, hey, can I get the raws? And I haven't communicated that, no, that doesn't happen. You can't get those. Um, Luckily, she was very nice and I was able to explain, but some people won't be so nice. So set your expectations about your whole process and take on that responsibility yourself. Don't just blame your clients for everything. And the last one, offer a solution. So I know it seems there's some situations where you're like, this person is just being a dick and I do not want to help them at all. Um, But it is better to offer a solution, even if that means spending a little more time yourself, um, having to do a bit more work, you know, redo the edits, whatever it is. It's better to end on a good note than to have someone not not recommending you, possibly giving you a bad review talking bad about you to anyone they can like it's so much better to just end on a positive note and if that is still someone you don't want to work with after that you can close the book and not work with them anymore but at least it's on a positive note now I'm just going to read through some of my favorite quotes from one of my favorite books called how to win friends and influence people now if you've read this you understand why it's one of my favorite books and why I read it every year. If you haven't read this, you're probably like, oh, I've heard of that book. It sounds like 
it's really overrated. It is not. It is such an important book and I think that literally everyone should read it. It should be like on the syllabus for life. Like you have to read this if you are alive. That's what I think. So the only way to get the best of an argument is to avoid it. These are direct quotes from the book. They're not like, you know, all in a row. They're just like little bits from different parts that I really liked. And I'd like to share with you because I think they relate to this topic. If you argue and rankle and contradict, you may achieve a victory sometimes, but it will be an empty victory because you will never get your opponent's goodwill. A misunderstanding is never ended by an argument, but by tact, diplomacy, conciliation, and a sympathetic desire to see the other person's viewpoint. Look for areas of agreement. When you've heard your opponents out, dwell first on the points and areas in which you agree. Be honest. Look for areas where you can admit error and say so. Apologize for your mistakes. It will help disarm your opponents and reduce defensiveness. Could my opponents be right? Partly right. Is there truth or merit in their position or argument? Is my reaction one that will relieve the problem or will it just relieve any frustration? Will my reaction drive my opponents further away from them or closer to me? Will my reaction alleviate the estimation good people have of me? Will I win or lose? And what price will I have to pay if I do win? If I'm quiet about it, will the disagreement blow over? Is this difficult situation an opportunity for me? I just love this book so much. Oh my God. (laughs) There's just so, it's so simple. It is so simple and is so powerful. There's magic, positive magic in such phrases as, I may be wrong. I frequently am. Let's examine the facts. I've used this. (laughs) The first time I read this book, I was like, holy shit. That is such a good phrase. I may be wrong. I frequently am. Let's examine the facts. (laughs) And then if you go through the literal black and white facts of what have happened in that situation, you can get this fresh perspective and just start to talk about the situation in a different way that doesn't have these heavy emotions related to it. Next quote. You will never get into trouble by admitting that you may be wrong. That will stop all argument and inspire your opponent to be just as fair and open and broad-minded as you are. It will make him want to admit that he too may be wrong. This has happened to me so many times. I've been in like, whether it's a call with like some customer service thing or any, any kind of tricky situation. And I just say, I might be wrong. Like, this is how I see things. I could definitely be wrong. Can you explain on your side? And like nine out of 10 times, they're like, oh no, I see. Yep. I think I've been wrong here. You know, they will come to it and see what they have done wrong too, or at least be willing to see your point of view. Um, next one. We sometimes find ourselves changing our minds without any resistance or heavy emotion. But if we are told we are wrong, we resent the imputation and harden our hearts. So true. So, so true. If we like in it, if we are in a situation where we suddenly see that we are wrong, but another person hasn't addressed it, we will try to correct it ourselves. But if someone comes to you and like berates you and blames you and like tries to put you down for something, 
you will just try and defend and defend and defend and be like, this person is such an asshole. They're doing this and that. And you won't take any of the responsibility yourself or see what you may be doing wrong. We are incredibly heedless in our formation of our beliefs, but find ourselves filled with an illicit passion for them when anyone proposes to rob us of their companionship. It is obviously not the ideas themselves that are dear to us, but our self-esteem, which is threatened. Again, ego. We like to continue to believe what we have been accustomed to accept as true, and the resentment aroused when doubt is cast upon any of our assumptions leads us to seek every manner of excuse to clinging to it. The result is that most of us most of our so-called reasoning consists in finding arguments for going on believing as we already do. Yeah, so we will like unconsciously seek, we'll seek biases that support our views um, and like hang on to them to dear, for dear life. When we are wrong, we may admit it to ourselves. And if we are handled gently and tactfully, we may admit it to others and even take pride in our frankness and broad-mindedness but not if someone else is trying to ram the unpalatable fact down our esophagus. <laughs> I mean, this is just saying the same thing again. It's like if if we are wrong and we come to that conclusion on our own, you know, we'll admit it and be proud of how we handle the situation. But if someone is like, you did this, you did that, you're wrong – then we are much less likely to open up and be like, you are so right. You are so right. I'm wrong. (laughs) Like, it just doesn't happen. When you are wrong, admit it. Any fool can try to defend his or her mistakes, and most fools do, but it raises one above the herd and gives a feeling of nobility and exultation to admit one's mistakes. When we are right, let's try to win people gently and tactfully to our way of thinking, and when we are wrong, and that will be surprisingly often if we are honest with ourselves, let's admit our mistakes quickly and with enthusiasm. By fighting, you never get enough, but by yielding, you get more than you expected. The next point here is let the other person do a great deal of the talking. If you disagree with them, you may be tempted to interrupt, but don't. It is dangerous. They won't pay attention to you while they still have a lot of ideas of their own crying for expression. So listen patiently and with an open mind. Be sincere about it. Encourage them to express their ideas fully. You cannot get your point of view across or argue with someone when they still have things that they want to say. They will not listen. They will literally not hear you. And this is what happens when arguments are so heated and people are yelling back and forth, they don't even know what the other person is saying. They're just so interested in getting their own thoughts expressed that they don't even hear the other person. So just take the time. This goes back to the email, just waiting. Um, Just take time, listen, and wait for someone to express what they need to. The final point is let the other person save face. And this is something that I have, I mean, a lot of this, I've been on a journey (laughs) with a lot of this in the last few years. But this is a huge one for me because it's like, it's like saying I told you so, you know, like you don't you don't need to rub it into someone's face if they're wrong. So here are the quotes. Even if we are right and the other person is definitely wrong, we only destroy ego by causing someone to lose face. I have no right to say or do anything that diminishes a man in his, in his own eyes. 
What matters is not what I think of him, but what he thinks of himself. Hurting a man in his dignity is a crime. You don't need to say I told you so. You don't need to rub it in. You can just let the situation go without causing unnecessary harm, berating someone, putting them down. Just come to the resolution, let them save face and part gracefully. (laughs) There are so many other quotes from this book that I love. Please, guys, read it if you haven't already. Um, I think I might do a my recommended reading episode and kind of my favorite quotes from a lot of these books because they've helped me so much in business, day-to-day life, relationships, like everything. It is just, this one in particular, this book is just blows my tiny mind. Anyway, I would love to hear about any tricky, tricky situations you guys have got into If you want any advice on any of them, if you just want to share how you responded with them, if you came to a really good resolution, or even if it's like a story that blew up, I really want to know what happened. Um, So you can send those to me just through Instagram at It's Jack Lee. Um, And yeah, thank you so much for listening, guys. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I also want to say I'm so sorry about the last episodes. We had some technical difficulties with the mic i'm really hoping this one is fine i'm gonna like double triple check it before i put it up um but i've gone back and corrected those past episodes so thank you so much for being patient with me there um i know it can't be very um enjoyable to listen to an episode where i just stop talking for a good amount of time and it goes crackling so really sorry thank you to the people who informed me that that was happening Um, and I will do my very best to make sure it doesn't happen again. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful rest of your January, and we will chat next week. Bye.